I think you'll actually be able to hear people turning off the podcast. No, I, I think. Um... <laughs> Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation, where we try to find some of the coolest academic and university innovations so you don't have to. We'd like to shine a little light on those innovations and hopefully give them the oxygen they need to become actual things on a shelf somewhere. Um, thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Tyler Scher, PhD in Science Wizard. What's the word, Tyler? Hey, Charlie. How's it going? I'm just enjoying the oxygen in the room. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's free. Enjoy it. It is. Yeah. And also with us is Joe Rungi. Hey, Charlie. Dr. Law Dog, Entrepreneur Werewolf. Anything else? Uh, Are we adding to that yet? Oh, I get to choose a new title. Do you want one? Let's go with Joe of Note. Okay, Joe of Note. What uh, What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, mostly, please take a moment to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Please That's what leave I was looking for. I, I could tell. I could, when I hit that, you get a little twinkle in your eye. It's kind of blinding. That note was on key. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where and, did I end it? I think I about... did. I have to do my little embellishment where yeah. it's like, Please broadcast in the light of a child's eye the wonderfulness of the show. It is important. Yes, please help spread the word because we want to do these technologies not just for for Nebraska but uh, for technologies everywhere. And you helping spread the word about the show helps us do that. I do also want to help Joe because um, it is a new year. And I think in the spirit of it being a new year, we should look for a new planet. And I know Joe's got a bugaboo about space elevators. And space so elevators. I am going to turn my microphone off and my headphones off. And I'm going to go take a nap in the corner. And Joe, tell us about space elevators. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just envisioned this moment for so long. <laughs> sorry. And then no, it I, I, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about otherworldly kind of texts. So, yeah. and, no, no, no. Yeah. Let's leave it at Joe talk about space All right, elevators. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it I didn't may... want you to feel like a three on the, under the bus or on the yeah. spot there. It may be three helpful. under the elevator. <laughs> Ow. It may be helpful if you differentiate them from space escalators. That's too. true. <laughs> that space escalator went nowhere. <laughs> so, uh, you know, every time I go on the space escalator, I just like walk up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're health conscious. That's, I get I it. I don't know. It's just weird. I feel weird standing on the stairs. I've got two weeks to get up there. I might as well walk. So, No, I, 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 I firmly believed that human destiny is to get off the planet. That like we are not just here I'm with you. to sort of, you know, shop at malls and eat bacon cheeseburgers, as awesome as oh, that is. So. <laughs> or bacon cheeseburgers at the mall. Remember malls? No, um, I, I think that our I, I think part of like human existence, the whole reason for it is us to to leave and, and go on and, and live in other places throughout the vast cosmos. And okay, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, no, that's definitely what I want to do. And and so for me, like, and th- this is kind of a, a, a dynamic, right, like, you know, SpaceX or whatever. Yeah. You know, rockets are great, you know, and, and I, I, I think that even the, the history of, like, rocketry in, in the 20th century is is sort of wonderful and, and compelling, but... There's just not enough fuel yeah, you have to, on, you, on the planet to get enough stuff into space to sort of create sort of sustainable 
you, you know, you look, when you look at the the manned spaceflight program, you look at the the Saturn V rocket, and like like ninety nine percent of that thing was dedicated to the fuel to generate the thrust needed to get all that weight up. Right, and, and like I mean, and it was really inefficient when you think about it. That right, way. and not like, not to like you know <clears throat> knock on the Saturn rocket program, right? I mean, it's amazing what well, they were course, able to accomplish. But it's time to take a step back and go, okay, we need to move on. We need to move on exactly. And yeah. so um, I've been utterly obsessed with the concept of a space elevator for years and years. And I, I, I see it because right now it's the cost per cargo. It is fabulously expensive to get an ounce of stuff into space because mm-hmm. you just, you know, got to get all its gravity, right? And so the idea uh, of a space elevator, and there's various varieties of it, but you essentially put a satellite into geosynchronous orbit, stays in the same place, and you, you put a cable over it. <laughs> And you'll you lodge it on the ground, and then you've got something that essentially tracks up. I mean, it's pretty simple in that sense, right? How far up are we talking about? Like sixty miles? No, you get all the way into orbit. So whatever the top of the atmosphere is, that's probably the sort of thing I should have looked up before we started talking about it. <laughs> that's why I said, I said sixty <laughs> miles. I think it's much longer. Yeah, One it's, it billion be, miles. It might be like <laughs> how thick is the atmosphere? God, I feel like an idiot now. Is it like three hundred miles? Something I like have that? no idea, but I will look that up as soon as I, I'm done talking. But like the the relevant part here, right, is that like once you have a satellite in geosynchronous orbit and can reliably get things out there, then you're not going to be building spacecraft on Earth, right? right? And then there's a whole secondary part of it too, where a lot of the things that we do, like I, I'm, you know, I started out my life as an environmental scientist, and very quickly came to realize there's no safe way to produce power, right? If we're going to produce electricity on Earth, there are environmental consequences, period, right? Like even renewable energy, right? If we scale it to the point where it's going to be enough to power everything, probably going to have unintended consequences, right? So ultimately, if we could have a space elevator, then we could do things like generate power off planet. We could do all heavy manufacturing off planet. All the things that we need to do. How does a space elevator help you generate power off planet? Did you say 60 miles, Charlie? No, no, I didn't say that. Oh, you didn't? Who said 60? Nobody said 60. It's it's 62, actually. Oh, I did say 60. <laughs> yeah, I thought you threw out 60. You were basically on. Yeah, I know stuff. That, that's, that's the generally accepted distance through the atmosphere. So, so. a 60-mile cable going straight up is quite actually, the technical that, achievement. Right? Yeah, that actually sounds very doable, though. Well, you think about the transatlantic cable for the telegraph. You know, yeah. That was a, quite a deal. You know, they had, didn't the, they? the undersea cables yeah. for internet and everything? Right. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and that's the big difference, right? So if I say, hey, Charlie, let's go walk a mile, you're like, no problem. Straight up, <laughs> that's where it gets complicated, right? And so the difficulty of the space elevator <laughs> yes, is not a 60-mile com- cable. It's a 60-mile cable that could support a cargo elevator that could load substantial amounts of stuff into space, right? Yeah. Well, the thing about like the well, transatlantic cable, because they, they did it straight down. Right. I mean, they had to lay it that way. And so you're talking about... The incredible amount of weight involved right. with what that thing is. And that is a materials like science def- – that is a 19th century material science question. Absolutely, right? You need to essentially have the cable to be sufficient thickness to operably conduct electricity under the water. It needs to be safe and all that, right? Yeah. So the, the difficulty is that cable that is sort of connected to the satellite has to be strong enough for a train to run on. And that's where yeah. it gets – and a train to run straight up. Yeah. Right? So – but how does it not fall? Because it's connected to a geosynchronous satellite. But how does the weight of the cable not pull it into Earth's – so it's in constant free fall. But how does it not just fall back to the planet though? I don't understand how it maintains orbit being connected to the planet. 
so the the geosynchronous orbit is not in free fall right it has essentially the same velocity as you know the the earth as it turns right so in theory it is at the exact same place so having a cable stretch from the surface of the earth to the satellite is you know going to hold constant whatever tension that sort of goes on there the problem is is like you can't really pull down on the satellite the satellite's not pulling you up right whatever is going to ride up on that has to pull itself up. So think of it less of like a train and more of like climbing a rope in gym class, right? What's that called, the funicular? Yeah, sure. I think that's not a, a bad, except the funicular, do they power themselves? Is that how they work? Or I don't know. Funicular like is a, an elevated train, essentially. It goes up mountains and stuff. As opposed to like, like a, a ski lift. It's not it like up. a ski lift where there's going to be a giant cable that's on a wheel that's going to rotate through, right? Yeah. This is just a track, and then whatever is on it is going to pull itself up. Now, there's still going to be normal force you know, tugging on the satellite and all of that. That's not been the technical difficulty. The technical yeah. difficulty has been having a material that is strong enough, that long enough to be able to essentially serve as a, a track for whatever it is to sort of climb. Okay. Up. So, all right. But so, to get back to your question, which is I think the more fundamental one is how does a space elevator help with power generation? Yeah. Right. So if you could put solar arrays in space. Okay. Yeah. Right. Then, you know, the only trouble, so let's say you had solar arrays and they powered fuel cells or ultra capacity. We'll make this a Joe extravaganza, right? <laughs> yeah. Extra capacitors. Extraterrestrial ultra capacitors, you know, that come back to Earth. The idea is that you would essentially have the empties come up on the space elevator, right? You'd have some guy, I'm going to call him Dave. Dave would pull them off and, you know, stick them onto a satellite that would essentially power them because you have solar arrays. Oh, wait, and you then, wouldn't need that, would you? Because you can do wireless power. Right? Sure, but it's less efficient. Can right? you just beam it back to Earth? So maybe the better way to say it is you need a lot of these satellites and you can only manufacture them on Earth. So you would sort of send stuff up to be able to do it. Right. Okay. So that would be sort of one of the ways. But the whole point of sort of the, the revolutionariness of what a space elevator would be is that if you could inexpensively, relatively, put stuff into orbit, then things like producing manufacturing facilities on the moon mm-hmm. become entirely feasible. Because all the heavy stuff you need to get them started, right. you could sort of just send up there. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Elevator to the moon. So, yeah. So is there a particular the technology then that, yeah, that gets so, us a space elevator? Yeah, we haven't the, even talked ones, about that yet. The one challenge that has kind of come up has been um, you know, the materials that you sort of produce that cable out of. And there is um, – and I, I'm going to butcher this name, but it's uh, Xinhua University in Beijing has basically developed carbon nanotubes. Hmm. that seem to be strong enough. And Nanotubes. there are materials that can work on this, and most of them are that. They're sort of advanced nanotechnology-type materials. The problem is extruding them at 60 miles of length, right? And so these have hmm. shown – these were designed initially to scale. So these are some sort of scale projects that sort of are listed in there. And in the hmm. interest of time, I think it's also important to talk about who is really one of the leaders in um, you know space elevator technology, and that's JAXA. JAXA has actually created a limited space elevator. What's JAXA? The Japanese version of NASA. Okay. And so JAXA uh, last year did a trial run with sort of the little car that would go on a space elevator. They did that in low orbit um, and it just went a couple of inches. But they were able to traverse a small amount of line in space um, to sort of show the feasibility associated with it. So hmm. Okay. So I, I, think, I think there might be a significant or maybe not, but um, there might be a, at least – a certain portion of the audience who might think space elevator, that's just crazy. Right. 
how close is this to actually being a reality? It's a long ways off. There still is going to be the need to be able to actually produce 60 miles of cable and engineer the device that's on it. Would it be 60 or 120 miles of cable? Uh, it, it would probably be several 60-mile strands, but it wouldn't be 120. You would have one line that would go all the way up, and then you'd come back all the way down. Okay. But you wouldn't sort of flip over like a... I didn't know if it was something that ran like a conveyor belt type situation. No, because again, you just have the line like a track that someone would sort of run up unless there's sort of new designs that have been That's the space conveyor belt. That's true. Totally (laughs) different technology. That's not what you're you're doing that, right? You can do a vertical conveyor belt. You can totally do a vertical conveyor belt. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So So is there – so – all right, Tyler, I'll let let Joe go on about his space elevator. Do you want to go on anything? Oh, it feels so good. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a... Uh, you have I, a counter I've, towards getting off this rock that doesn't involve a space elevator? Yeah, I've got the Stargate project from a little company called Relativity. <sighs> got very wait, cool names for everything Wait here. a minute. Are we talking about teleporting? You, they they want you to think that. That's that's, that's, the, that's the illusion <laughs> that they're trying to create. We're off to a good start then. <laughs> they, they are the first company to automate aerospace manufacturing via... A combination of intelligent robotic software and patented uh, metal 3D printing processes. They have the world's largest metal 3D printer. This thing can print metal prints that are up to 20 feet tall and 10 feet in diameter. And they have a lot of patented materials as well. 3D metal printing, is that just mm-hmm. like forging? Yeah, but with a, with a robot doing it, basically. Yeah, it's it's actually powdered metal, and yeah. then you use electricity to weld it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It starts off in a powdered form. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. one about 200 feet from here. Yeah, yeah. You and Biomechanics, shout out. Yeah, so the co-founder uh, and CEO, Tim Ellis, has a, ma- a master's in aerospace engineering from USC and then ran this startup concept through a little incubator called Y Combinator. Um, he sits on... <laughs> y Combinator is one of the most elite incubators in the world. Yeah, I mean, Dropbox, Airbnb... Uh, I think Uber, I don't know, name anyone else. They've probably been through White Combinator. Um, He sits on the National Space Council for the White House. Uh, So he gets to to, uh, weigh in on Space Force. (laughs) Um, And he's a, uh, let's see, he uh, has investment from famous entrepreneurs like Mark Cuban one of only four companies contracted with NASA and the U.S. government to test okay, and launch I facilities like the, Cape Canaveral. Okay. It's a big deal. I get it. The dude's legit. Uh, yeah. I wanted to throw all that out there because the technology is rocket-based. <laughs> <laughs> his, his first proof of concept is rocket-based. It's a so rocket. It's, okay. it's, a three, it's the, the world's first 3D-printed rocket called Terran-1. Um so he his, printed rocket? So he has, he has this whole automated assembly line. I mean – uh, Ford would have been in love. How is that a Stargate? So yeah. So let me get there. So I mean, this okay. is this is basically. What, what I do feel you, like you promised us teleportation. Yeah. What is three D printed rocket? What he's proposing is, cool. is an automated self-contained system that, if you provide it with the raw materials, can then produce uh, aeronautics. Whoa. So so, are, so that's where you get stargates that so are not stargates. So so you you send you send this artificial intelligent system into space. You land it on the moon or whatever, and it basically sets up a base of operations and starts cranking out rockets on the moon. <laughs> to what end? Why would you want to do that? To then be able to blast more places? I don't know. Because <laughs> you make your 
space colony before you. I get thought there. you were going to say you yeah. bu- you build something so that it builds like a Schrodinger's cat box or something on the moon. So yes, I know this is less cool than teleportation, thinking. but it's pretty cool. It's is it's, it okay. it's practical teleportation? It's as, as close as we can get at the moment. So so the, this this Terran one, their initial proof of concept, the the Terran okay. one rocket, okay, came, their their prototype was built and ready to fly in sixty days. Uh, so traditional rocketry that's manufacturing amazing. takes eighteen months. Yeah, that's amazing. They created one in sixty days. So how big almost was entirely three D printed material? Did it did it actually launch and go into orbit? Um, they, they, they've launched, they're about, they're going to be doing their first orbital launch by the end of 2020. They have, a, they have a number, it went up. It didn't, it's, they haven't launched into orbit yet. Their first orbital launch will be at Cape Canaveral okay. um, in 2020. So they, they, they sent a rocket up and it went up as high and as fast as I thought it would. And it came straight back down. An entirely AI produced 3d printed rocket. Yeah. It didn't explode. Yes. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. That's actually an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. So, so AI is officially I'm, I'm very done impressed. 5,000 years of human technology development <laughs> in, in 90 af- days. In an afternoon. <laughs> I, I'm generally not afraid of artificial intelligence, yeah, but uh, I'm revising pretty, that position. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's kind of scary, actually. So they have interest from uh, our government, obviously, yeah. as well as multiple companies. I've heard Skynet's going to invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, 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 this they, whole hunter-killer Terminator business is not working for that's us. That's what we need. We need to just we need to automate the whole I like, mean, if, building if, ICBMs. So Here's the thing, though, right? If we send out automated rockets to colonize planets, build more rockets to colonize more, are we colonizing planets? <laughs> no, the AI is. Right. That's what I don't like. <laughs> it's robots, or because. But if but if, but if we can get it, so so, let uh, me just propose this one problem, one flaw with colonizing Mars is we can get there and not have the the materials and the fuel to get back so it's a it's a one way right. trip right if we could send something ahead artificially intelligent that that's then already sets up some sort of living environment and also then is has leftover fuel to get people back <laughs> once yeah. they once they get there yeah that's uh, really cool no those are both really cool i'd like to see them both yeah well, if you want to, check out the program notes. We'll have links to uh, all of the stuff that we mentioned in there. Space Elevator, the not Stargate. Stargate. Um, but still cool. So on that note, let's come back to ground. Um, I think we need to shout out to our sponsors, Unimed, the Tech Transfer Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center, University of Nebraska at Omaha, also KVNO Studios. So for Tyler Sharon, Joe Runke, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you and join us again on Unimed's Innovation Overground.